Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for joining us. And we are celebrating 10 years on air this month. So uh, we are glad to do that. Thanks for listening and sharing and commenting uh, on the show. And, and thank you to all the wonderful guests uh, we've had for the last 10 years uh, and for today. Uh, this segment is brought to you by Vista Property Report. Uh, they have an interesting uh, tool, a resource. Uh, you know, you often want to find out on a property or a site how many people are going there. Well, now we can know that uh, because of smartphones. They have a system that tracks smartphone traffic. Uh, I can get you some free reports if you want to check it out. Uh, this is the website to go to, Vista Property Report slash CRE Show, and uh, check it out. Well, today we're going to talk about um, the commercial real estate market, uh, potential distress, uh, what's going on with uh, banks and, and other lenders, um, and uh, kind of get an idea of, uh, of, of how the banks and lenders and borrowers and everybody are, are dealing with things so far and, and what we might expect uh, moving forward. Uh, who else would be uh, better to talk about that than uh, Brian Bailey? And uh, Brian is the uh, real estate subject matter expert with the Federal Reserve. And hey, they're out there. You guys are out there uh, trying to keep the banks uh, solvent and safe. So uh, we're really excited to talk to you today, Brian. Michael, thank you for having me. And congratulations on your 10-year anniversary. That's super. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I guess before we get started, uh, these are uh, whose views are these, Brian? <laughs> these are absolutely mine and only mine, uh, and not necessarily those of my uh, esteemed colleagues at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta nor the Board of Governors. Thank you for allowing me to interject that so we're clear <laughs> on who's speaking today. <laughs> okay. Um, and I guess my first question for you, Brian, is related to to the banks today. You know, um, you know they they've got to see challenges coming up with all these shutdowns and uh, uh, all these challenges moving forward. Um, how, what are banks feeling? What are they saying? What are they thinking? How are they how are they prepping? Absolutely, great and a and a great question. You know, I think we would be remiss in in not starting out. Uh, the conversation with a, a comparison. You think about the banks are much better capitalized today than they were in 2007. And I think that that has allowed the, um, you know, flexibility, some of the flexibility, uh, you know, with the forbearance structures, that kind of dynamic. And, and so I think that being better capitalized today, you know, has both benefited both lenders and borrowers. So I think that is, a, a, you know, dynamic that I would want to start out with. Certainly, you know, with, um, you know, the, the you know, significant slowdown that we saw in March and April, and then with some of the reopenings and some of the rebound that be, that began in May and has followed through the past several months, you know I think lenders have have expressed you know some optimism. Also, they are expressing you know concern um, because you know there have been you know significant changes in the commercial real estate space and the economy overall. You know, commercial real estate, I think one of the biggest questions that banks have right now is, you know, how do we establish, how do we accurately establish value on a commercial real estate asset? And the reason that that has become, you know, taken much more energy and much more focus is because, you know, right now we have just a fraction 
of the transactions and leasing volume occurring today than, than were occurring pre-COVID. So certainly there's been a significant uh, pullback in, in volume. I think that, uh, you know, it's on the factor of, of you know, uh, 20 to 30% uh, uh, 20 to 30% of today what it was pre-COVID. So it's pretty significant pullback. And then I think, you know, you have, uh, you know, a dynamic that we've not seen before uh, in that you look at how uneven the brunt of the downturn has hit certain sectors. For instance, you know, e-commerce has benefited. We have information that shows that, pre, you know, after COVID hit, that sales um, for e-commerce, you know, picked up roughly 20%. Um, so we've seen a very significant in, uh, increase in consumer spending, the portion of it online. At the same point, you know, we know that Zoom and not going to the office, et cetera, you know, has, has changed the dynamics of needing to buy new clothes and shoes and things like that. Um, and, and so there's been, you know, a change in consumer buying habits, and that has impacted retail ex extensively. And then add on top of that the shelter-in-place dynamic, which pulled people out of the stores. It also has significantly curtailed uh, activity at you know, hospitality and entertainment establishments. And so I think that the banks look at that and say, wow, you know, it's, it's very difficult in this dynamic. One, we have less volume. Two, we have this change in the consumer behavior. Third, we've had a number of establishments that have shut down per the pandemic, per the shelter-in-place orders. Um, and, then, and then lastly, I'd add, is that you know, a number of those establishments are in the process of reopening. Unfortunately, some percentage will not. And as we kind of chatted about prior to coming on the air, you know, I think a, a, a significant dynamic that really is understated is that there is a seasonality component to the businesses and a number of them, you know, missed their peak earnings season in March, April, et cetera. And, and I'll give you an example. You think about spring break and a number of the coastal markets in the United States that benefit uh, from that dynamic. Um, you know, those folks, you know, pray for, you know, the end of March, April, and May to come around because occupancies at the hotels are virtually full, virtually 100%. And then they're able to charge, you know, premiums on top of the standard rate anywhere from, you know, probably 25 to upwards of 70%. Uh, and right, that creates cushion. It allows them to invest in their business, a number of dynamics. And unfortunately, they don't, they don't have that. And that continues to morph. You think about June and July, August, prime wedding season. Uh, again, very focused on, you know, hospital implications, hospitality. And, and retail. So I think that right now, you know, the banks are, um, you know, working hard to understand the change in value uh, associated with commercial real estate. And as you and I know, um, you know, there is a sediment component to it as well. And so if all of a sudden we begin to see a huge uptick in 
delinquencies or non-payments, which we are seeing right now in certain segments of the CMBS market, that creates a negative sediment and potential for more distress. And as you know, uh, with, with more distrust, that creates greater uncertainty around value. And so I think that, that you know, there are, you know, that's probably the, the number one challenge, I would say, that's on uh, the commercial real estate lending staff. Uh, staff minds at, at various institutions right now. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And uh, kind of understanding value and underwriting, we just did a show on that with the uh, president of the Appraisal Institute, trains MAI appraisal. So if listeners are interested in knowing uh, a little bit more about how uh, appraisers are doing that today, check out uh, that show. And Brian, you mentioned that the banks are, are better capitalized uh, than they were in, in the last downturn. Um, one thing I've found too, and let me know uh, your common thoughts on this, is they also seem to be a lot more experienced. Uh, you know, we have a group, a special assets group here at my firm, and we're talking to a lot of the banks and we were very uh, busy in the last downturn. And as we're talking to them and they're preparing, uh, they seem to be a lot more experienced uh, you know, a lot more comfortable uh, with the process. How much distress uh, do uh, banks have right now? And, and, and what are some of them thinking they're going to have? When is the distress and how much? The million dollar question, right? <laughs> yeah, that, it's a, that is a million dollar question and very difficult. I think, you know, for, first of all, I'm, I'm, you know, the level of distress has just begun to pick up a little bit. Um, and, and really, that's been muted because the regulators came out um, as part of, you know, the CARES Act and various initiatives uh, when the pandemic hit and, and really, you know, encouraged bankers um, and lenders in general to, to, to work with their borrowers. And so there's been a very significant emphasis on working with the borrowers and trying to understand their needs. At the same point, you know, we're understanding, uh, you know, we, we have a better understanding of the health and science dynamics every day. But I think that the amount of distress has been muted because of, uh, you know, those, those dynamics uh, and the encouragement by the regulatory group for the banks, for the lenders to work with their borrowers. At the same point, we know that commercial real estate shifts. And while there is more liquidity in the system uh, today than there was pre-COVID, which is certainly a, a, a very good dynamic, it's been very helpful to support and, and stabilize some of the dynamics. We didn't anticipate, nor I think did anybody anticipate, that we would need a shelter-in-place order and that would have such a significant uh, consequence on business in hotels or in hotels or entertainment or retail. And, and so, you know, I think that the amount of distress, you know, you take for, take for instance, hotels. We don't know exactly when the vaccine is going to come out. We don't know exactly how the deployment or the adoption of the vaccine will work. And so there's still some uncertainty around business travel. And we know that a lot of hotels in the larger urban markets, New York, down to Orlando, 
Las Vegas, New Orleans, et cetera, um, you know, have a significant amount of business from the convention traveler. And so if there is a, a, a uncertainty aspect to, un, to settlement right now, those folks will not travel, in my opinion. And that creates, you know, a, a dynamic um, of, you know, how long till business will return to break even or close to break even or profitable, you know, a profitable uh, dynamic. Right now, we know that uh, the number of hotels that are not paying in the CMBS space is, is greater than 25%. They've, they've uh, been transferred to special servicing because of non-payment, and there have been a, a number of modifications made so that those hotels could continue to pay via the use of, of funds intended for FF&E, furniture, fixtures, and equipment. So we know that those funds, those reserves, have a finite life. And so really, it's kind of a, a, you know, a, a question of will their business come back and return to break-even or profitability before some of those funds uh, run out. And so, you know, I cannot tell you exactly, you know, how much distress, when it's going to come back. Rates are, you know, the, the amount of distress that's entering the marketplace is picking up. But at the, at the same point, I think that there's still, you know, some runway left for the recovery of business and for, you know, these businesses to return to profitability before they, you know, before they uh, exhaust their funds that are being used to keep them current on their loans. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Brian Bailey, real estate subject matter with the Federal Reserve. And, uh, you know, I think everybody sees that the hotel industry, a lot of the hotels, especially convention oriented, uh, having trouble and expect it to, to be a, a problem area. But let's talk about retail for a moment, because it seems like uh, some retail properties are, are really doing well and doing fine. Are you seeing much distress there yet? The, the amount of delinquencies have picked up, Michael. Um, but I think that that level, the growth is beginning to mute because of the reopenings. And so I've heard that, you know, COVID has been in some circles characterized as, as the great accelerator. And certainly we knew going into this prior, you know, pre-COVID that, you know, e-commerce was changing consumer buying habits. Um, and that was noted in a number of sectors, noted uh, as you know, e-commerce sales grew at uh, two or three times the rate that traditional bricks and mortar retailer sales grew. We've also known that you know, bankruptcies were occurring because of retailers with too much debt. Um, and so you know, some of the retailers who've had less debt have fared well, um, have been able to adjust their businesses to the shift in consumer, consumer, uh, and the change in consumer buying habits. At the same point, those that had more debt had less flexibility, and so I think that um, we still have, you know, uh, this dynamic where retail has has changed and changed pretty quickly. And so we're looking as a as a society for kind of the right sizing. When do we reach kind of the right size of retail? Uh, you know, it's all not going to go away. Um, we have been able to successfully readapt some of those projects, and that uh, that uh, methodology continues to go forward. But I think that there is, you know, some retail that uh, uh, probably, you know, will not be repositionable. Yeah. Well, if um, 
some of these reopenings in a lot of these markets are are leveling off uh, retail defaults. That kind of brings up the question, Brian, of of what you feel about uh, if there's a fix to COVID. Uh, you know, uh, I don't. Everybody, no, no one expects it to be miraculous and, and overnight to fix everything. But but as that as the as the fears and risks subside, um, what's expectations then moving forward uh, with the uh, real estate. So I mean, so it's you, certainly there. You know, a, a number of dynamics that we'll continue to watch. One in my mind is, you know, we know that firms have been forced to invest significant sums in technology. Remote working has has required that, and so you know, how much of that will will actually stick? Um, you know, it, it's it's in my view, it's it's. You know, workers are not going to go from working, you know, 40 hours in the office to working zero hours in the office. I think that that dynamic is probably going to be very rare. But I think you could see a shift where a worker was working 40 hours in the office and, and maybe it's now, you know, 32 or 24. So it goes from five days a week to three to four days a week in the office. So I think I think that'll be. Um, you know, a, a, a change there. Uh, I think we we continue to see um, the impact of of e-commerce on retailing, uh, and then I think you know the, one of the questions will be is you know how much of how many of us are in love with Zoom, uh, and what is the impact on travel? We know business and my business in my mind is a relationship uh, driven dynamic, and so. Zoom really cannot replace that. Virtual meetings cannot replace that. And so I think that there's still going to be some portion where you'll be meeting in person. At the same point, I think that some of the meetings that were check-in, check, you know, check-ups, that kind of thing uh, that put people on a plane may not, may not necessarily need to happen in the future. They may very well be able to happen via you know, virtual, a virtual format. And so that certainly has implications for nights at hotels, has implications for, you know, restaurant spending that, and, and airline travel spending. Yeah, I was, uh, we're going through some pictures here in our studio uh, for our 10 year anniversary. And uh, one thing it made me realize is that as we're virtually uh, doing this interview, uh, on, online, we can't fist bump. bump. was a picture. We'll just have to do a virtual one, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, my so that brings my question to you of of kind of pent up demand. You know, uh, do, do are consumers saving enough money that there's pent up demand? Do consumers feel like when it's safe that they can get out? Are they going to get out? I know, like personally, I have some clients in Chicago and New York, and I can't wait to get on a plane and go see them. I mean, we're kind of just chomping at the bit. We, we're ready to go. Uh, we want to do it as soon as uh, you know everyone wants to to get together. So, if there is a solution to COVID, uh, how how much of a rebound is is kind of expected out there? Well, I mean, so. I can't tell you exactly what the rebound will look like, but I would tell you that from some of the data that we've seen, um, you know, the consumer has taken a, a significant amount of money 
and put it in savings. I went and pulled the savings rates for the last 60 years. And when COVID hit, we saw rates spike, so positive dynamic in savings. And in, and in some instances, they were four, five, six times the highest rate we'd ever seen in the last 60 years of data. So the consumer certainly has been putting some of that money aside. They've you know, cut back in certain areas. They've cut back on you know, obviously eating, eating out. Uh, takeout has accelerated. Takeout spending has accelerated. Same point, we know that transportation costs, we know that uh, money spent on clothing, as well as a number of other dynamics, you know, has been significantly pared back. Same point, consumers have spent more on their homes right now as they're spending more times at home. So, so I think that there is, you know, some money that certainly has been saved that could very well, you know, and, and, and I do expect there to be, you know, a positive, a positive boost um, as we understand more about, you know, COVID as we get a solution that kind of thing. I do. I do expect that there are. There has been some capital put aside from the consumer's perspective. At the, at the same point, you know, we would be remiss in not acknowledging that you know there are, uh, give or take, you know, 11 million people that are out of work today compared to pre-COVID. Um, we've been putting a number of folks back to work at a pretty good clip. Um, at the same point, you know, the most recent numbers in October, uh, you know, were, were more modest than we thought they would be. And so where we had been putting back to work over a million people a month in, in October, that number came in at, at 661,000, I believe. Um, so certainly, uh, you know, you know, very robust, but not as robust as we'd seen in, in prior months. And so you know, I think that there are certain segments, um, you know, we talk about, in, you know, from an industry standpoint, we know that, you know, 20 something percent of the folks uh, in the hospitality industry, you know, have been out of work. We know that that was one of the hottest sectors for, for job gains last month. Um, you know, arts and entertainment, another area um, that there are a significant percentage of folks out of work. And, and quite frankly, kind of languishing. I mean, you've just begun to see some of the movie theaters and some of the entertainment uh, begin to reopen and, and the results have been somewhat mixed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting. It seems like uh, uh, multifamily has been doing really well, uh, but it's, I'm sound, I'm kind of hearing that there's starting to be some implications there, I guess, uh, from, from unemployment. Um, I want to ask you before you go, Brian, um, what you would leave the audience with as far as the, the lender side uh, of types of, of lenders when they think about commercial real estate and where we are right now, what would you leave them to, a thought for them uh, to think about moving forward? Well, certainly, you know, the positive dynamic is, is that as we put more people back to work, we will, you know, the need for commercial real estate overall you know, expands. And so there'll be more transactions, there'll be less uncertainty around the establishment of asset values. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, my expectation is, is that, you know, we, we will, you know, 
barring you know a, a significant return of COVID, um, we will see you know a, a pickup in some of in some of those areas. You know the lenders are very well capitalized. There's going to be you know some bumps. Uh, we know CMBS right now. Um, you know there's there's some some challenging dynamics, heightened delinquency rates, uh, more assets transferred to special servicing um, in hotels and, and retail. Banks own CMBS, but they're they're up they're the upper piece of the capital stack, and so I think that. Um, there would have to be a significant loss, you know, significant loss to reach some of those higher dynamics. So I think that the banks are better capitalized, um, and and my hope is is that uh, as we as we continue along the path of of reaching a vaccine and understanding more about COVID, that you know some of the commercial real estate dynamics that lag uh, you know, begin to pick up a little bit more steam as we continue to put people back to work. Okay. Would you have any different thoughts or other thoughts for to leave our audience as far as uh, business leaders, you know, borrowers, owners of of commercial properties and and people running businesses uh, moving forward to think about here we are, we're at, you know, the end of the first week, beginning of the second week of October 2020. We don't have a cure yet, right? We don't have a vaccine. Uh, what would you leave business leaders with, uh, Brian? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I have to, you know, talk about, you know, the, the you know, facts that, that we see right now. Um, you know, I think, I think one of the dynamics from a commercial real estate standpoint is that rent collections, you know, have been, you know, have been strong. I mean, have exceeded just about everybody's expectations as far as rent collections for industrial, for multifamily. For, for office. I mean, all of those groups have been, you know, 90, 95 plus percent. So that's been, that's been great. The area of weakness has been hotel, uh, pardon me, has been retail. Um, and, and we've seen, uh, you know, three months of, you know, consecutive positive results as far as rent collections are concerned. Um, and, and right now, I think that, you know, the, the area that's lagging are the shopping centers right now where rent collections just uh, surpassed 80%. And so I think that we are moving in the right direction. We've got reopenings. There is more business activity. Um, you know, I don't know about where you live, Michael, but where, where we live, you know, they've just begun to reopen the public schools. And so you know, that will you know, begin to create you know, more demand as uh, you know, people are, are out and about, they'll go to gas stations for gas for their cars, which they've not probably done in, you know, weeks or months. Um, that may necessitate stopping inside the convenience store and buying something. And then, you know, we just begin to see, you know, the economy pick that much, you know, pick up. And, and on top of that, you know, they may, they may have the opportunity to go back to work now that their children are in person in school. And so, barring a you know significant return of COVID, I think that beginning to get you know the economic engine powering back up is a, is a good dynamic, and that certainly has you know positive implications for commercial real estate. As people go to work, they tend to eat out at lunch, and so you know it just begun you know becomes you know kind of a, a, a snowball effect. Um, and so you know I'm 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 very I'm very hopeful that we begin to see some of those activities uh, 
you know, here in October and, and later throughout the year. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So if you feel safe, it is safe. If COVID's not kind of coming back hard. I, I, it sounds like your message is get to work, get to school. Let's get this thing going again. Right? <laughs> well, safety is, you know, safety is critical, but I think, uh, I think it's, you know, I, I do see some very positive signs, um, you know, as far as consumer spending, there are a number of categories that, you know, they've exceeded, uh, cons- uh, you know, spending pre COVID levels. I mean, you take whether it's e-commerce or whether it's home improvement stores, uh, grocery stores, et cetera. I mean, the, the spending there is, you know, five, 10, 15% more than it was pre COVID. So I think that those are very you know, positive dynamics there. Yeah. Well, I like it. I hope there's a big rebound with people wanting to get back out and spend and do things and, and uh, get back to life. Well, Brian, good information as usual, sir. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Michael, and congratulations again on your uh, 10-year anniversary. What a milestone. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And and I guess in, with normal 10-year-olds, I'm supposed to have a cake and a party, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take uh, a rain check on that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Brian. And thank you for joining us around the country. We appreciate uh, your thoughts and comments and uh, sharing of the show. And, uh, hey, connect with us uh, on your favorite social media. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Vista Property Report slash CRE Show. Incredible analysis using smartphone technology. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.